there, everybody. Welcome to the Ernest Seat Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins, and I am your host. And I'm also the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors, which provides a place where they can come and build a property portfolio that completely aligns with their goals. So this week, I have got someone very special on the podcast, someone that's never come on anything NC Real Estate related before, Chris Cairns. Hi. Hello. It's good to be here. Thank you for finally inviting me. (laughs) Finally? You've not wanted to come on before? No. um, (laughs) We probably try and keep professional and personal separate for the best, um, but I think it's time, yeah. So thank you for having me. That's all right. Welcome. Are you enjoying it? been good so far being well looked after great good so for those of you who don't know chris is my fiance we got engaged last year we've been together for a long time six years six years yeah Hmm. enjoyed it so far it's been good so far (laughs) hopefully many more to come i hope so it's gonna be a rocky marriage (laughs) no comment so we've got a lot to talk about mainly because um, you've never come and share, shared anything with me on my podcast. So I thought we'd start by talking about number one, we'll do it easily where we talk about why we're in New York, because uh, for those of you who have been listening, obviously we moved to New York a couple of months ago and the catalyst of coming over here was Chris. So I will start by you saying why we why we're in New York kind of our story up until here then we've got some uh, conversations about the sale of our house which is actually why you were booked to come and speak to me today because we were going to go through the sale of our house and the fact that it finally exchanged and it didn't so we'll get back to that in a little bit mm-hmm. but okay let's start off with the fact that this year we've had a huge change we got engaged we moved to New York and here we are in Brooklyn recording this podcast. So do you want to explain why we moved to New York? Do you want me to give my reasons I or do. do you want me to give your reasons? No, you go. Cool. Let, let me preface all of this by saying <laughs> I'm not a property expert. So for the property investors listening, feel free to fast forward this bit. Um, it may not be as relevant for you. Um, why are we in New York? We have always spent time uh, holidaying in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, I have really enjoyed it. I feel like you have started to enjoy it because I enjoy it so much yeah. and you've humoured me. Um, coming to a lot of baseball games, uh, a lot of NBA, a lot of NHL, um, which is my passion, the US sports, which is what I work in now. Um, but we also felt like the, the way of life and the adventure of being in somewhere very different um, but still a major city, um, and for you, a major uh, property and investment city as well, mm-hmm. um, where house prices are of a similar level to London, which is where our home was, um, made sense as kind of the next step. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we felt if we were going to move from London, it would need to be somewhere, somewhere with similar characteristics to mm. London. Um, and I think New York, both in kind of time zone and distance from London, but also in the, the cities um, set up, the property market, um, you know, the different job sectors that um, are in the city makes it as close to London as, as anywhere else. And obviously the multiculturalism mm-hmm. that we love as well. We going out, love going out for Indian food or Chinese food or Italian food. And we can do that in London and we can also do that in New York now as well. 
Yeah. Um, so I, so for us to take that next step and move somewhere from London, um, it felt like it was probably the best or the next best option uh, for us. Mm-hmm. This happened to be in a different country, <laughs> further from your family. <laughs> yeah, I'm very close to my family. Yeah. So that was hard for me. Okay, and so then you got the job here. Yeah. Last July, we found out about that. Well, we we kind of knew about it earlier on. We probably knew from March. Yeah. Um, although you didn't always believe me quite how secure it was going to be. Um, and you tested me quite a lot on it. Um, and then we found out, I'd say more in May time, that we were going to be definitely moving. Um, we had a couple of delays. Obviously, it's not easy to move from one side of the Atlantic to another, particularly when you have a, a young puppy who's as energetic as ours. <laughs> that we've got to figure out how we transport her as well. That was a requirement, wasn't it? I I was certain that for she you, was coming. For you, that was probably the number one requirement. Um, for me, I think we'd been having a bad week with her, so I wasn't as fussed at that point. <laughs> but I'm glad we kept her now. <laughs> She's uh, your best friend, She is my apparently. best friend, so I'm glad we brought her with us. Um, but yeah, so I'd say, yeah, June, July, we knew that the move was on. Um, and we kind of opted to delay it till after the summer um, for a number of reasons, one being our engagement, um, but also being able to spend a final summer in the UK mm. um, before we headed out here as well. Mm. And so, yeah, we moved over, I believe it was about the 17th of September. We that made was the it date over that here. summer arrived. We oh, moved, so it was a couple of days before yeah, that. Yeah, we moved yeah. on the 14th of September. Yeah. It's like etched in my mind because it was such a stressful moment in our life. Do you think it was stressful? From your I... point of view, I thought it was really stressful how did you find moving? I did not find it stressful. I found it stressful because you were incredibly stressed. So I actually didn't think it was that bad. Um, it was sad to say goodbye to London and, and to family and friends and to our flat that we loved very much in London. It was stressful in terms of the worry about summer arriving. Mm. Um, but actually moving over here, we were pretty well looked after. Yeah, um, We had a place set up for us for the first month, which gave us time to find what would be our new home, which we found in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say probably the big stress was just the differences in cultures. Um, obviously, we have the NHS back in London, which we don't have over here. We had, you know, our local uh, supermarkets and grocery stores, which we had to find again over here. We had all our friends back home. We've had to make new friends here. So that's all stuff that I was expecting to be difficult, and it has been difficult, but I think... Maybe you found it a bit tougher than me. I was at work all day, every day, so it was probably a bit easier for me to to settle into a routine. Yeah, that's been, that was tough. I think for me, the most stressful thing was as much as I've always talked about wanting a completely flexible lifestyle, it was like, oh, now I have to do it. Like there's no, if I don't do it, then what, everything I've built falls apart. That was for me really stressful. I found that horrendous actually talking to the university about it and being like hey guys I'm going to New York and luckily they took it really well um and they were happy with that which was good and that still to this day is something that I have to keep talking to them about and seeing how that works and then feeling um I guess what's the feeling imposter syndrome do you know what? I found that really tough when we moved here because I was like, well, who's going to take me seriously uh, in a, running a UK company when I live in America? But actually, nothing changed. 
because I'm doing exactly the same that I did in the UK, just in a different location. But I found that I found the worry of that happening incredibly tough. And my advice to you has always been be brave. And I, and I feel like you've become much braver and confident in yourself. And it's been beneficial because I feel like now that you are much more flexible, you don't have to make commutes to your job. You work from, you know, our apartment or you come down to your studio to record your podcast or you have um, your office space as well. But I feel like now you have more time to be able to make those connections and to, you know, go and meet fellow lecturers in, in Manhattan um, or property investors around New York as well, yeah. which you weren't able to do as much in London. Um, and it was good for you to almost reset your routine. And I think that's been beneficial yeah. for you as well. In, in the end, it was yeah. really beneficial. At the time, I couldn't even imagine that that was what was going to have happened. So it was positive. Do you enjoy it being here? I love it. Yeah. I think we're both looking forward to summer finally coming. It's been warm today. <laughs> yeah. um, but the last five months have been a struggle. Uh, and that's coming from London, which is not Tropicana or anything like that. Um, but some of the temperatures we've seen, we've never seen before. When we open up our iPhone and see minus 17 Celsius, it's not a temperature we're used to, to seeing on a phone, is it? No. And I felt really like that just made me feel really sad that every day I was going out and contending with that. Ugh. And I'm I'm not really complaining. Other people have had it far worse, but it was a massive culture shock. Yeah. Well, the, the week we had where we couldn't open our terrace door because of the snow buildup was something <laughs> we've not experienced before coming from London. So it's been a... A challenge and I imagine that summer is going to be a different challenge and it will be so much hotter than what we're used to as well yeah but we've got a really nice outside space in we the do. shade we do so we're lucky having that we can sit outside and drink wine you can drink wine <laughs> okay how are you finding work do you work like, is good what's the difference between working here and working in the UK it's um it's it's different but it's not so different in the, sense that, in the sense that I was already working for an American company. So a lot of the Americanisms um, that you would get working in the States I already had working back in London. Mm -hmm. um, it was the way the company was set up. Um, there's a big emphasis on kind of efficiency and um, impact and productivity versus just being present. Um, so rather than just being there between, you know, nine and six or nine and seven, and that means that you've done your job, it's, you know, what can you do in that time? And do you need to be there for that entire time? Or, you know, are you able to be more productive by being around for, for five of those hours? Um, and just making sure that you leave at the end of the day, knowing that you've done something that's changed the business for the better. Um, that's very much a more modern and, and it's kind of a very uh, Silicon Valley uh, tech focused way, I think, of doing things. Um, you know, we get very well looked after, which is great. Um, but I think in, in general, it hasn't been as bigger challenge um moving over in terms of what the what the setup and culture is like because i was already working for a u.s company mm -hmm. um, and we spent so much time over here we understand some of the quirks that are very different in the u.s uh, to the uk as well mm -hmm. do you feel like you are losing your british culture do you feel like you forget about it sometimes or do i still watch the premier league every weekend um <laughs> even if it means i have to get up at five six a.m and we definitely haven't lost that. Um, I don't feel like we've lost, lost our British culture at all. I mean, you still drink orange squash every day that gets imported from the UK. 
Oh um, my god. We still eat marmite with our toast. But that's um, because people bring it for us. We're like every yeah. time you come over, note to everybody who comes and visits, we like marmite and orange squash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we still talk about that. We've already spoken about the weather multiple times on this podcast, which is a very British thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, no, I don't feel like we're losing our British identity at all. No. Um, I feel like we're mixing it very nicely with the American culture. Yeah. Um, and we've been well appreciated for, you know, being outsiders. It's not, you know, sometimes you go to places and being an outsider isn't always embraced. But I think we've been quite fortunate that over here, people are very interested and want to know more about the UK. And they ask us a lot of questions about it, as opposed to us feeling shut out because we're not from, from the US or not from New York originally. How many times a day do you get asked about Brexit? Uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> too many. But to be honest, a lot of the Americans know what's happening more than I do um, that ask me about it. So I, as you know, and probably you've told your listeners, have given up a long time ago. Um, you are far more interested and aware of what's going on than I am. Yeah, well, it's, it, I've got still a lot of investments that rely on it. Although when I started investing in the stocks and shares market, I've got some American shares which are doing incredibly well right now because of the uncertainty in uh, the UK. That's all good. So Brexit's been good for us then is what you're saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> About £8 worth. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take that's, any when we your, can get. That's your latte. Yeah. Yeah, it is with the prices in New York. I I invested well, didn't I? Yeah, you did. (laughs) Okay, so here we are in New York. One of the things that I really wanted to talk about today, which I was hoping was going to be like a proper celebration and it's not been. For those of you that have been following along with everything that I put out recently, we have been selling our flat in London. And yesterday, so we're recording on a Saturday, um, uh, as you know, I record a couple of days or weeks early. We do bulk recordings, so it's not essentially 100% uh, live, so things might move. But as of yesterday, we were meant to exchange on this flat and a deal was meant to go through, and it hasn't. And it looks like it might exchange on Monday. How have you found the process of the fact that actually we moved in September, we're now in April, and this property's only just sold? Like, what? how have you... How do you deal? How have you been dealing with that? Again, let me add the disclaimer that I am not a property expert. Um, and so you would have a far better take than me. Um, my, my patience has been tested for sure. Um, it's been far more long-winded than we'd have liked. Yeah. Um, it's taken much longer than we'd have liked to get an offer and then to get the offer at from going from acceptance to, as you said, we haven't exchanged as yet. I think we're we're in a difficult... Everything's kind of happened in at once with us, as you said. We've gone... We had our engagement, which was fantastic. We then had the move. We had the kind of elephant in the room as to what we do with the apartment or the flat yeah. in London. Um, and we ended up having to put it on the market without being present in that country to market it and keep up to date with what was going on. Yeah. Relying on other people is not always there. You know, we're very trusting of people, but perhaps too trusting at times. And we're not as on top of it as we should be. But at the same time, you know, we were trying to adjust and having to find our own apartment over here while we're trying to sell ours. Um, And then we got the offer and we thought, well, this is great. You know, the offer we got in January. Mm -hmm. 
so just after Christmas, early January. That day where it was minus 17 and we went to yeah. Shorty's and we were having cheesesteaks. Yeah, so it's <laughs> been so we've we accepted an offer, yeah, very early January. It must have been around the 8th or 9th of January, yeah. surely. I, it might even have been earlier. Um, and we still haven't ex- got to exchange, um, let alone completion yet, which is frustrating. Um, but as I said, you know, I'm not a property expert. I don't know whether you, you tell me these things shouldn't take that long, but we know that this buyer is a first time buyer. Um, we know that potentially with Brexit, there may be sensitivities that they're worried about there. They may be getting scared by some of the media um, that's being put out there. Maybe they don't know what's going to happen to property prices. We were disappointed in, we weren't disappointed, but we would have liked to have taken a higher price for the flat. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, still think we got a very fair price, but perhaps they feel like they'd have liked to pay a bit less. Um, and so maybe we both feel like we've compromised a bit and that's why it's dragged on. Um, as opposed to both sides feeling like we've got a great deal. Um, but I hope that we're almost there. We feel, without jinxing it, I'm touching the, the wood on the table, that we're going to be able to exchange, as you said, early next week. Um, and then hopefully we can go out and celebrate. Yeah, we will go out and celebrate. It's been going on for too long. Would you buy another property now? I would definitely buy another property um, I know this is something you wanted to talk about later on in the podcast, but in terms of an investment, um, out of all the investments we've made with our savings in the six years we've been together, this one's had the highest payoff by a long way. Oh yeah. Um, so definitely, we I would I would be comfortable investing in another property. I think the the slight thing that well, there's a couple of things. Obviously, one is where we would invest, where we would buy that property. Would it be the UK or the US? Obviously, the UK is a market we know much better, but if we're going to be based in the US, it may be easier to manage out here. Um, and then would it be a property that we live in or one that we look to to rent out again? Um, and if it's one we rent out, then do we do that on a short-term letting where we know there's going to be perhaps more of a on-call maintenance mm-hmm. um, request asked of us with your Air, like your Airbnb um, or a long-term letting where we know that the yield isn't going to be as high? Um, but it's probably going to be more hands-off and, and easier to manage and mm-hmm. um, potentially getting an agent even to look after it for us um, if we feel like it's not something we can do. But you're not put off by the sale? Definitely not put off by the sale. Um, it's been frustrating, but these things, you know, we know take time. And when you look at the, like I said, the the return that we're getting on our initial investment, it's worth yeah, it, it's, it? it's it's worth so it for worth sure. It. Yeah. I, I don't even remember how much we put in, like, not that much to be getting as much out as you know i wish i should have bought the deal particulars that's my fault i haven't but um it's definitely we've made what 10 10 times the amount we put in i'm not sure about quite that but it's it's been high i'd I'd say maybe four or five times um what we put in i'm not sure we'd have to double check yeah when we were looking at the uh when we were looking at the figures today it was it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. So I'm that, glad. That's not including all the fees we've got to pay on completion, though. Yeah, agency and legal. Yeah. <laughs> you always fear that, don't you? It'll be fine. Once we've done it, I will put everything together. I will let people know what, what we've actually done with it. But I'm glad it's not put you off. Because property is a good investment. But let's talk about uh, the fact that I always say that you're far better at saving than I am. And I've learned to save because of Chris. Um, Learn is a strong 
use of the term there. I'd say you're learning to save. You definitely <laughs> haven't mastered it yet. I'm very good at putting together large chunks of money and investing. Like that's why I've been good at property because for me, that saving for ages just fills me with kind of like, oh my gosh, it's like a long, long, long thing. Um, and so over the years I've put, put stuff together, put money together. And fortunately as a surveyor you get, or as me as a surveyor, when I was uh, young and uh, early in my career, I was getting massive bonuses. So that helped me get on uh, the property ladder and then start figuring out ways of gathering large chunks of money so that I could invest in property. Um, and that's been, that was a learning curve in itself. And as you all know, I'm now not in, in practice in a place where I'm getting uh, large chunks of money like that fall into my bank account every June. Um, so I've but because that was already a standard for me, I started learning how to do it. Um, but then speaking to Chris, Chris has always been very good at saving and you kind of, you're, I don't how can I explain it? You're very good at just being, like building slowly. Low maintenance is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Low maintenance. I don't have an expensive lifestyle. No, I was trying to say that you like to build slowly, but sure. You are quite low maintenance, yeah. That's how you save. That's how I save. I've always thought back to kind of when you first get a job and you, you know, for both of us, we were living in London paying incredibly high rent. Yes, we were living with flatmates, which we don't do now, but we were still spending a large amount of money on rent. And although that has increased, it's definitely not increased at the same rate as the amount of money that we've been earning was great mm -hmm. so for me I always try to think back to kind of how I managed to survive on you know perhaps a quarter of of the salary I earn now um and what I used to spend that money on to make sure I fed myself I still could go out and enjoy myself I could still have my season ticket at Spurs um I could still take you out and we could go and do fun things um and I could afford my rent um and my transport to get to and from the office um and I've always I now almost guilt myself in terms of well if I could afford to do it on that budget you know not too long ago why do I need to spend four times that amount now um and so I'm always quite aggressive in my savings and think well if my salary has gone up by four times that why don't I try and save half of that amount of money I'm making each month mm -hmm. um, and put that away to make sure that you know if we want to do something extravagant like have a two-week holiday road tripping across the US and that doesn't become something I worry about saving for. Um, I've already saved for it in advance. Um, or if we wanted to buy a car or if we wanted to buy a new property um, that we had this savings ready to go mm -hmm. as opposed to thinking about it now and then having to realise that it's going to be three or four years till we get what we want. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've always been an aggressive saver. I've always tried to live off as little money as is needed without skimping too much, although I'm sure you'll disagree with that. Um, but thinking about how I can aggressively save to make sure that I'm still living a comfortable life, but I know that if I want to make that big investment or I want to make that big purchase, I'm not going to feel as guilty um, because I've been keeping that money mm -hmm. um, for that moment. Yeah. Yeah, you've got that mindset down. Um, you, on the other hand, <laughs> are the opposite. You think, well, if I'm earning this much more now, why don't I make sure I upgrade everything by this much more? 
Not quite true. Not quite true. A lot of it I just reinvest back into my current investments. So it either goes into building my business or it goes into improving my properties or anything like that. I'm quite good at making investments, um, but then I'm not so focused on the month-to-month -month saving, which has changed recently based upon your advice. Um, but I still don't look at saving as much as you do because I've got so I've got money coming in from so many different places that I then just reinvest that into what's what's going on and the the kind of salaried side of things I just use to live my life yeah and one thing you are much better than me at is working out a budget and seeing where your money is going explicitly mm. um you're far more diligent at that than me um I find that quite difficult to do mainly because I feel like month to month and even week to week, what I'm spending money on varies so dramatically that it's hard to say, you know, I bought this last month, so I need to save that money for it again next month. Usually it's a one-off purchase. Yeah. Um. So I don't tend to budget that explicitly, but I know, you know, for something as simple as a food bill, what I used to spend six years ago shouldn't be that different to what I'm spending now, bar the, the general uh, raising prices that we see at a grocery store um, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't go from not getting too granular and simple in this but I wouldn't go from doing a shop where I'm barely scraping together eating noodles every day to now I'm buying salmon and steak fillets for every meal um, I, I still like the same food I'm not a foodie snob so for me it's quite easy to to just gradually increase my spending there yeah I agree we don't spend that much on food, do we? No. Hmm. It's not been something I've ever really... Again, I don't put as much thought into it as you do because I just budget for the amount. I know that I'm going to be spending that on a monthly basis, so it's fine, it's there. I don't think about it. And But it's the same that I've started doing with um, putting money into stocks and shares, which you do... I've only just started. You do it. That's your investment. Yeah, that started when I... One of my early jobs, I worked for a media company and part of my employment package or my uh, contract negotiation was um, shares and, and stocks in that company. Uh, so for me, I always had an interest in that because knowing that was going to be a big part of my compensation meant I wanted to keep track of what I was earning. Um, when was a good time to pull that money out and put it into a savings account or towards you know, buying our first house? Um, and when it was a good time to to either top that money up because you felt like the company was going in a good direction um, or to, to just kind of hold your position um, because you're not sure which mm -hmm. way it's going to go. My, again, I'm not a, an investment expert. I'm, I'm not, you know, a, a hedge fund manager or anything like that. I keep it very simple. I only invest in, in companies I know quite a lot about. Mm -hmm. So that tends to be media companies, sport companies, or technology companies, mainly technology mm -hmm. now, which is my main sector. Um, and obviously a very fast growing sector um, with huge potential. So I tend to keep it quite simple and pay attention. The one bit of, of advice I give is to pay attention to any earnings reports far more than any kind of media stories. Um, Facebook being a great example of this, where a lot of the, the media has not been overly positive um, which makes you think the stock price is going to tumble and it started to tumble. Um, and then the earnings report came out where all the revenues were sky high and suddenly all the investors are, are going back in. 
Yeah. And the stock rose by about 50% um, in a matter of days after the earnings. Um, so paying attention to how companies are actually performing financially as opposed to their media around it is is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, mis- the media can lead to big spikes and big drops, um, but actually you want to invest in a company that's got sound financials. Yeah. Um, and only the earnings reports are going to give you that. Mm-hmm. So you put together a, a money tips PDF. I did. Which if you want Chris's money tips, then I'm going to put the link below, but it's ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash Chris. So if you do want that, um, and it's very, very helpful, it's the philosophy that Chris lives his money, his money world by, is that the right term? I'm going to just say, yeah, the philosophy that you live by. Um, so if you'd like that to www.ncrealestate.co.uk forward slash Chris. So, oh, one thing that I'm always asked about, and you will know this better than me, everybody wants to know about the new Spurs stadium. And I want to get your thoughts on um, Spurs just before we wrap up, because that's a good topic for you to talk about. It's a bit of a touchy subject right now. <laughs> when I was talking about everything we missed from London, I, I left this one out. Um, but obviously, I'd had a season ticket since 1995, so a long time. Um, we've given that, well, I still have it, but obviously I'm unable to attend anywhere near as regularly. I've only been to a couple of games this year when we've happened to be in the UK. Um, but you're right, the, the new stadium finally opened. Um, I was hoping that we'd be able to to go before we moved over here. It was mm-hmm. due to open last uh, August. That got delayed to September, which got delayed till January, which got delayed till March. And then finally... Um, on the 3rd of April, which is also my mum's birthday, uh, the stadium was finally opened. Um, so my dad, uh, my sister and her fiancé managed to go. Uh, my sister's also pregnant, so my soon-to-be niece has actually been to the stadium uh, more times than I, which is quite frustrating, <laughs> um, but lucky for her. But it looks fantastic, um, and it's been a huge project um, again, I'm, I'm not an expert in construction, but um, everything I've heard says it's the, the most outstanding football-specific stadium in the world. Um, they'll also be playing NFL there. Um, so they have a kind of dual pitch where a grass pitch overlays the AstroTurf, um, which is going to be great. Um, but it's a really kind of deprived area of London. Mm. Um, and the plan is obviously for this stadium to really kickstart the regeneration of, of Tottenham yeah. um, and that area which would be great. Um, not too long ago, um, what, there were the riots in London um, mm-hmm. that started in Tottenham. So it's a, an area that needs a lot of TLC. Um, the expectation is that this is going to massively increase um, job opportunities for people in, in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's already you know new supermarkets starting that are going to hire hundreds of, of people, if not thousands. The stadium, because it's double the size, means that the work or the staff there is going to double in size as well. So there's going to be more opportunities there. The fact that the team is performing so well means there's going to be a lot more opportunity there. They also have a college um, within the kind of headquarters of the team, just outside the stadium, just across the road. Um, I believe I read the other day that they have had a couple of students from that college that have been accepted to Oxford and Cambridge University. So it's a much grander plan than just increasing the size of the stadium. It's very much a regeneration of Tottenham, which is 
obviously beneficial for the team as well because it means um, that it's going to be more of a destination as well for, for fans to visit. Um, and there's going to be hotels that the team owns or the club owns um, on the same site as the stadium as well. Uh, so it's very much going to be a destination rather than just uh, somewhere you go for 90 minutes um, every other weekend. All they need to do is improve the tube up there. That That is a great point. So there's a supposedly 100 million investment in uh, uh, TFL, the, the Transport for London uh, infrastructure, which from what I've read, again, I haven't been, so I don't know exactly how accurate this is, but it hasn't, it isn't noticeable. Um, I know they've looked to ex- extend the, the um, overground station there, the platform sizes. Um, it sounds like that hasn't been done. It sounds like they were pretty bad cues. Um, mm. But again, that was just the first game at the stadium. So I like to think that that will be improved come the next few games overexcited about getting there yeah get there and early as well get there early um it sounds like you know this was kind of rushed through because they wanted to open it as soon as possible mm-hmm. they've got another five potentially more matches there this year and then i'll have the summer to really look at improvements and how they can can make that an easier a journey for for fans using public transport as well going back for any of the five games probably not let's see how far they get in the champions league would you go back if it's a final? Well, the final won't be played there, but oh. if they get to the semi-final, okay. then I think I'd, I'd make the trip back. Um, but they have to beat Manchester City first, which won't be easy. <laughs> and, you know, see how it goes? Yeah. yeah. It goes. Okay. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on my podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Have you enjoyed it? It's been good fun, yeah. Do you think you'll come back? I think I will. Maybe after we sell the flat, we can talk in more detail about that process and how that works. Oh, uh, yeah, I think we should. I think we're trying not to jinx it right now, right? Yeah. I mean, I would like it to go through just because it's an awful lot of phone calls and things and people getting panicky about it. Everybody, there's so many moving parts in this deal that I'd quite like to just call it a day. We'll have a celebration then we'll let everybody know what happens. Sound good? Sounds good. Maybe we'll bring Summer next time as well. I know she's a real star of, of the show. We don't want Summer in here. She'll bark. She's better behaved than you think. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. So thank you, Chris, for coming and joining me on my podcast. And thank you, everybody, for coming and listening. I really appreciate it. If you want to find out more, head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Natasha C. Collins. And if you want to join the Facebook group, then head on over to Property Investment Mastery on Facebook. I am going to put all of the links below so you can click on them and go through them. And thank you very much for listening today. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.